0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: The crisis where their face is on the floor. Every massively successful, known, celebrated person has faced that. And they also face scrutiny at a level that most of us could never even imagine. And it's just something to bring awareness to. So acknowledge the crisis. What is the crisis in your life? And I think when you can acknowledge that, then you can be honest, be truthful. You can live in integrity of going like, that's not the right thing to be doing right now. And then you can have that little conversation with yourself to follow the golden thread of life Mm -hmm. by saying, well, then why am I doing it? What is the benefit of this? Mm
2: -hmm. Welcome to the Coachable Podcast. Around here, we believe that life is the ultimate training ground for finding out what you are truly made of. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, high-performance coach and breathwork facilitator, and each week I share intimate conversations and inspirational stories from some of the world's most successful people. It's time to stop standing on the sidelines of your life and get your head and your heart back in the game. So take a seat, grab a pen, because you're going to want to take notes as I pull back the curtain on the tools, resources, and inspiration that you need to unlock your inner champion what's up coachable family welcome back to the show i'm so glad that you're here i'm your host tori gordon and today we are joined by the incredible nick cavuto this is a human being that has come into my experience in the last few weeks and he has just lit me up like a christmas tree when i connected with his energy and i met him through a good friend of ours david Meltzer, at a recent recording of david's tv show called office hours I knew immediately that I wanted Nick to come on the show and share his wisdom and his story because he is somebody that is going to inspire and encourage you in ways that you don't even know you need probably. I um, am just so excited and thrilled. So Nick, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Tori. Excited to be here. And by the way, I felt the same, you know, there, I think that, you know, David always talks about the whole idea of a neighborhood of like that, you know, what your neighborhood attracts other people who are like you or who might see the world the same way that you do or in a similar fashion. And uh, it was just awesome connecting with Nikki and then meeting you. And I'm like, wow, these people are like, so my people. Now I look at David, I'm like, dude, how do you do this, man? Like, this is crazy. Um, But I just feel grateful to be a part of the story and to be connected. So like, this is super awesome.
2: Absolutely. It's one of those things. I call it the coachable community. That's what we call our community. And it's just a bunch of people that are hungry and driven and also looking for meaning and purpose in their lives and and trying to find more joy and more peace and and ultimately my mission is to relieve unnecessary suffering in the world but first in my own life and then share the tools and the experiences that I've had that have helped me and i know that you do the same i'd love if you, if you would just give us a little bit of background about who is nick cavuto and what is a little of your story and how you've gotten to this point in all of your success
1: yeah absolutely well you know when people do ask me like so tell me about you what you do and 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 you know how you impact the world I often like to talk about the people that I love to serve, serve alongside of, which are people who are, I think up to something, you know, I have this little saying and I don't know if I can cuss on here. So like, yes, you can. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so it's that you can't, you can't do Epic shit with basic people.
3: Mm-hmm. And and that's
1: not there. It's, it's not saying that other, like certain people aren't, you know, Epic, uh, or that they're too basic. I think the concept is just like, there's, this feeling like when you get too, too far away from the fire of someone that you just miss that God spark within them. And you miss that piece of them. That's just wants to do something that truly matters. That's going to be an unbelievable game changer for themselves, of course, first, and then for the world and the capacity that they'll serve. So, you know, I'm just a guy who likes to be, you know, next to behind or collaborating, you know, with people who are up to something, doing something great in the world. And I know that, you know, in my story, a lot of times I reflect on the truth of who I am, because I know that truth vibrates at the highest frequency. And so therefore, the, the, the first thing that was spoken over my life on the day that I was born was my name. And my name means Nicholas, and it means victory of the people. And I know that at the end of the day, if everything was deducted out of my life, what I do, who I serve, how I do it, who I do it for, the same would be true for my life and for my family, for my kids, that I'm there to be a champion of people. And to be a catalyst and to see them win. And so I'm not a coach. I'm not a consultant. I'm not a whatever. I'm just honestly a collaborator, a co-creator, and someone who just wants to be a catalyst in helping other people win.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I resonate, my friend. I do. I was thinking about this um, just a minute ago when we tried to to film this the <laughs> no. first time and we got about this far into the conversation. But you you helped me connect a dot that, you know, some dots in my own life that I hadn't put together before, which is my given name is Victoria, which also means victory. And my life's mission and purpose is to to help people win. And, you know, what that looked like in my younger years was a very selfish, egoic way of, of looking at that. I wanted to win, and I still do, you know, I, I, but winning has evolved and changed me. What winning looks like in my life uh, is not what it meant to me when I was younger and I was just trying to compete and be the best. And I didn't really care, you know, what I had to do or who I had to be to get there. Uh, that's very, very different from when what winning means to me today, which is more about meaning and purpose and elevating others and serving and contributing to a greater cause. I'd love to start there with you. Like, what does helping people win? What does winning look like in your life? <sighs>
1: this is going to be an interesting answer but i'll just tell you what's coming up for me um winning has to do with living a life of intention and alignment um because i think that like when we look at the scoreboard and we're going like all right what does that say it depends on the game that you're playing it depends on the rules of that game and and you know at the end of the day if that's a game that you even want to play and that if that's what you're enjoying you know so for me it's living a life of connection and deep alignment, mostly there's a line of like self, like a self surrender to what I believe that my greater intention and purpose is here on earth to do. And so it keeps like bringing down those layers into like, it's not about being the best. Mm -hmm. It's not about being the most known. I want to be effective. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be known. I don't care about being known yet at the same time. I know because I've been in this world for a long time, like the consequence of being effective is being known. but but it's like you know that's the whole cart before the horse conversation of like you know I think that uh Zig Ziglar had that old saying if like you know you help enough people get what they want like eventually like you'll land in a spot of where you have what you need and the things that you desire um but I think that my intention in life is truly to help people see how unique and rare and exquisite they are by doing the same and showing up in that way for myself so Mm -hmm. I definitely am the seer. I have a deep ability to see people in a greater capacity than they can see themselves, which has been a wonderful gift in business and has been very challenging in other areas of my life because when you see someone's true potential and it's, and it's, this gets me, uh, it's like my shirt gets caught in the door because it's like so many people talk about potential. So many people talk about greatness. So many people talk about like how to hit that upper echelon to the next level. I'm like, no, I just don't wanna die and look at the other version of me and said, I could have I could have been that. I could have amounted to that person who could have given such an amazing contribution to others. And yet at the same time, the tension brings me to the very present of saying, am I doing what I'm called to do today? Do I have everything that I need today? And I think that's part of my mission is to get people really present because presence can be rather uncomfortable for a lot of people of like, don't worry about the past. Don't focus on the future. Be here now. And I think that's a big part of what I'm called to do. What do you want today? What do you want to do today? Who do you want to impact today? And let's go do it.
0: I
2: think that's the power of having mentors and coaches and just people with that mindset in your life because they can reflect to you what you can't see yourself. It's like, we can't read the label from inside the jar and you're helping people read the label and reflect that back to them when they can't see it themselves. And that's that's a good coach, right? Standing on the sidelines, you can see what's happening on the field where that person is so zoomed in on the play, they, they might not be able to see everything that's happening, everything that's going on, yet it might be critical to, their progress or their ability to move towards the thing that they want to move towards. I'm curious for you, you talk about living out your calling. Mm-hmm. How did you find your calling? Because I know that there's so many people out there that also listen to this show that feel stuck, that feel like they're looking for their purpose, they're looking for their calling, and it seems like it's out there somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's how do I find it? It's like they're on a like a treasure hunt and they can't seem to find the treasure what was that journey like for you have you always known what your calling is or was that a journey and if so what did that look like and do you have any practical tips for people who are also trying to figure that out
1: yeah um i'll i'll share the theoretical and the practical let me answer the question though first Um, i didn't find it it found me (laughs) that's the reverse of like how I believe things truly operate is, you know, I was born like as a pastor's kid, my dad was a drug dealer who found Jesus. Okay. So like I was born into, um, spiritual awareness and understanding very, very, very early on in my life. And since then my beliefs have adjusted and, and I see the world quite differently. But, At the same time it's part of my dialect so when i talk about this stuff like i've just been in it for my whole life like i was three years old sleeping under pews at midnight with revivals and people running around like you know with swords it was a very interesting upbringing but what's true and and kind of unarguable no matter what is that there's a level of dimension that's different where a lot of spiritual things happen so i have seen things that if i talked about them on this show people would be like there's no way that's possible. And I'm like, well, if you saw what I saw with these eyes, then you would know that it's very possible. It's just, again, the world that I lived in and what I was brought up in. And so I have seen the best and the worst of spiritual affliction and spiritual promise over people's lives since I was eight years old, Mm -hmm. like with my own eyes, I've seen it. So um, I think that in my life, uh, calling was a big part of conversation when I was growing up of like, you're calling your intentions. I remember my dad though, he told me some, he had some incredible advice. He said, you know what? God will always make room for your gift. And I remember that from a very young age that like, I didn't have anything to prove, nothing to defend, no one to show up. No one's building to tear down so that mine was bigger. Mm-hmm. I, there was this level of trust in the process of going like when I'm ready, it will come to me when, when I'm able to actually hold the weight and, and, and the, how bountiful that blessing in my life would be to be able to step into those next levels. I started learning very early on. Like when you get to those upper echelons of like consciousness, awareness, uh, opportunity relationships, most people want to just go from the basement to the boardroom, like all the way up. And that's not how it works. Like I took the stairs showing up consistently, consistently over time. And I didn't want anything too early. Because anything in life that's premature, if you get it too early, you don't value it and or it has the risk of it dying, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, so any it. mother who's having a child, right? It's like, do you want your child to be premature? They would say no, but thank God that there are some children who are born premature who make it and some don't. And that's the unfortunate reality. But what would that mother want? It's like full term, healthy baby. That's it. It's, that, that is the main thing. And I think that's how I've lived my life is like, I just want to be present enough to not miss the opportunities, present enough to be honest with myself Um, and to also, I think, just figure out that I am the purpose, which is a very interesting flip of the lens of like, I'm not trying to find it because it is me. Mm -hmm. So therefore I embody it and I live it and I never have had to ask the question. Um,
2: Yeah. Mm. How do people start to shift that from looking outside themselves to embodying the the I am like I am it especially if they're in conflict with who they are maybe they don't like who they are at the moment maybe they don't like how they're showing up maybe they don't they don't like how they feel that maybe they're struggling with depression or anxiety or you know there are things in their life that aren't the way they'd like them to be. And and isn't that the reality for for so many of us? There's always things that for me, that I'm always like caught between contentment and being okay and present and grateful for what is, and also being hungry for creating change and shifts and, and creating new results. So what do you say to people who might not like the version of themselves that they are today? And you're like, I am my purpose. I am it right now. I don't like that. what do you say to those people?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, there's, there's two elements of this. I'm going to answer the first part. The way if, if you're unsure about intention purpose of your life, here's a very practical way to figure it out. What was the first thing that was spoken of your life? The day you entered this world, it was your name. Mm -hmm. So if you're confused about why you're here or what you should do or what not to do, go research your name, first name, middle name, and then your last name and figure out, go investigative on that, like go super, super deep into understanding that, because that's the only thing that's true at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you wanted to be a veterinarian and now you're an accountant, it doesn't matter. There is a truth within you that is, it's it's unvariable. It doesn't change. It's the only constant that you can depend on. And it's the words that were spoken over you the day that you were born, which is your name. Mm -hmm. No one held you up and said, this baby's worthless. This baby has no value. It doesn't, that's never happened. So what is the truth? The truth is your name. And most people don't even know what it means. Mm -hmm. So my suggestion would be to those individuals to go research their name and go look it up and accept it as truth Mm. just like some people will go like i'm an enneagram seven and now like they're just fully defined as that that's great then be that but the idea is that a lot of times we trust what the piece of paper says more than what we feel or believe which leads me to the second point anytime that you're in your life and you're experiencing that self-rejection you're in a place of not accepting true self-love and going like i am fucking amazing Mm -hmm. any moment that you're not living in that emotional state of gratitude that there was a creator who thought of you, that there's 8 billion people in the world or maybe seven and a half at this point. But the concept is is that there's intention for you being here. If you miss that, you're missing the whole game of why we're here. Like if I don't have somebody who believes that, I can't help them. Like step number one is know that like, there's something bigger out there that truly has your back, that wants to see you succeed, that took you as a seed and placed you into soil and said, I have intention over Tori's life. Mm And if we can believe that that's true, and then we know what our name is, we get to this model here. If you are in any form of criticism, comparison, or judgment of yourself or other people, you're fucked. Period. It's it's so binary, zeros and ones. If you are in criticism, comparison, or judgment of yourself or others, it's a recipe for living your life on the carousel of despair. So what I'm asking those who may be critical of themselves, maybe criticizing, comparing, judgmental, is to trade that. And what I'm asking you to trade that with is truth, honesty, and integrity. What is the truth? Is what you're saying the truth? Is it your truth? Or are you having a moment of where you're feeling bad for yourself? Because the reality is, is that we are the creator of our emotions. So if we create it, we also have the ability to remove it and for some that's zooming out enough to go like ah, I'm having I had one of those last night I'm like is what I'm doing really matter and it's 10 o'clock I'm like this is just no what am I doing and and I'm like I have to back away from it and go like you know what this just may not be a conversation that I need to have with myself right now and so I got into a place of gratitude I set my intentions for the next day and I moved on So I'm like, I'm just not even touching that. I'm not even going there. You know, when Jesus was tempted, he walked away. He got away from people. He went into solitude and he had a conversation with God. So like, sometimes we need to do the same thing. If the model worked then, I'm sure it would work now. Maybe we just need to zoom out. Take a step back from the thing. Just remove ourselves from it a little bit and just get into that deeper place of going like, God, what do you want from my life? If you don't hear anything, go to your name Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and just sit there and dwell on that and just observe that and go like, huh? Nicholas, victory of the people, Victoria I means victory. Yeah. Who are you helping win today? When we get out of ourselves and into the people that we're called to serve, I think very quickly we can find ourselves in a new pattern.
2: I love this so much because it it gives people a practical place to start in looking and re and shifting their identity, right? Because they we all have ideas and belief systems around who we are, a lot of which might not be true. <laughs> But we can come back to that truth. And I would encourage you, if you're listening to do this, to actually go and do the investigative work and then be willing to sit with the truth and ask, ask the question, ask the universe, ask God, ask whatever you want to label it as and say, show me, show me, help me. that is a prayer even if it's there's nothing else that you say is that is that whisper of a prayer and it is an intention and you like when you ask you will receive you will be shown and i think it's actually david who says what you give your attention to and your intention to create the coincidences in your life that people call luck but it's not (laughs) right it's the coinciding of in the same way, math, two two 90-degree like lines create an angle, the coinciding, the coincidences in your life is what you give attention to and intention to. And if you start to place your attention on truth and on who you want to be, maybe you, you see what your name is and what it means, and you're like, oh, that doesn't feel like me. That's not who I am. Can you accept it as truth? And because we are the ones that get to decide what meaning we give to things and the, the experiences that we have. And so you get to decide, yes, that is that's me. That's the version of me that I'm I'm gonna step into. That's that's true for me. You get to choose that. I love that so, so, so much. And uh this is all about shifting our identity and coming back to truth. And and finding truth, like you said, requires presence. And when we get out of the present moment and we get into the future, we get into the past, we're ruminating on the past, or we're anxious about the future, trying to plan, trying to think about all the what-ifs, then we get out of this moment. And that's where life is happening. That's where we can actually connect to truth. Do you have any tips for people about how to connect to the present moment, because it's so tempting, as you as you said, to get caught up in our mind and to get caught up in story and to be taken down a rabbit hole. And now I'm, you know, I'm so far gone. And now I'm in comparison and judgment and, and criticism and all of those things. How do we come back here? And how, for a lot of us, how do we start to associate the present moment with being the place we want to be instead of the place that we want to escape from.
1: Hmm. Well, I think on the first part of how do we become more present? I think the first step is to acknowledge your crisis. Um, I've never helped somebody who's not in some form of crisis. And, you know, just like in you know, AA, the first step is kind of admitting where you're at and i had enough things in my life to blow up and i wouldn't wish that upon anyone but you know last year i was in the process of doing like an entrepreneurial like workshop in person you know like full out like you know 40 people there or whatever and meanwhile i'm sleeping in my tesla like not home um my whole life was like blowing up at that moment And finally, I had to come to terms of like that this isn't working and I had to acknowledge my crisis and go like something has to change now that conversation with myself was understanding that I am the solution and I am the problem. Like if you have any discontentment in your life with where you're at, you are the problem and you are the solution and the only solution is you. It's your decision from here forward on what you're going to do that's going to decide the destiny of your future. And by the way, for the person who's really happy to go lucky and really wants amazing things to happen in their life, and they're like, I want my full destiny. If you want your full destiny, you are asking for trouble Yeah, because it doesn't come to those like with ease, you know, find an entrepreneur who like built a $10 million, $50, $100 million company. They don't just give it to their kids. Like you got to work for it. You got to like, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. Like that's what was required. You know, and I think that like people forget like the prayers that people prayed or the meditations or the intentions that they gave attention to in order to manufacture or manifest or create the things in their life that they wanted. Do you know on what, like the crisis where their face is on the floor, every massively successful known, you know, celebrated person has faced that. And they also face scrutiny at a level that most of us could never even imagine and it's just something to bring awareness to. Yeah. So acknowledge the crisis. What is the crisis in your life? And I think when you can acknowledge that, then you can be honest, be truthful. You can live in integrity of going like that's not the right thing to be doing right now. And then you can have that little conversation with yourself to follow the golden thread of life mm-hmm. by saying, "Well, then why am I doing it? What is the benefit of this?" Mm-hmm. It's my favorite question to people when they're like, "I don't know, I'm creating glass ceiling for myself." I'm like, "Why? What is the benefit?" They're like, "What What do you mean? What is the benefit?" I was like, you wouldn't be doing it if there wasn't a benefit, right? Would you be doing it to, to intentionally harm yourself? Well, no, then what are you doing it for? Right? So I think that's what it comes down to. And I think then it's just having a little bit of compassion and being like, it's okay. That's what I love to do. It's compassionate curiosity. Mm-hmm. Let's just ask the questions. There's no, like, this is a judgment-free zone just like Planet Fitness. I'm not going to sit here and judge you. I'm here to help you, I'm here to serve. I may be the only person, I may be the interruption in your life you've been looking for. But I'll tell you this story, and this is a huge part of this. Commitment and readiness are two separate things. Some people are committed to the result, but they're not ready for it. So my goal sometimes is to get someone from like a five to a six. Then someone else might take it from a six to a 10. But they might be fully committed, but a lot of times they confuse commitment and readiness. I was committed to my personal development. I've been doing it for 20 years. What I wasn't ready for was the reality that my entire life could be blown up. I could you know, not be with my four kids. I could be divorced from my wife. I could lose my entire business. I could go a you know, million dollars in debt. I can get sued. I can get all these, all those other things I had to come to terms with reality on. Mm-hmm. And then I reclaimed my power and said, now I can do something about it. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. I mean, I, I say this all the time avoiding hard things makes life unavoidably harder.
1: Yes, a thousand percent.
2: And if we're willing to have the courage to be and sit with the discomfort of the crisis, to acknowledge it, because we can't change what we're not aware of. And if we're living in oblivion and then we're just like in denial and we're like, I don't, I refuse to look at this. I refuse to acknowledge it. I refuse to talk about it. Then that is a recipe for continuing, like you said, on the merry-go-round or the carousel or whatever of suffering, (laughs) which I love. But the first step is awareness and then acknowledgement and then asking for help. Yes. And, and all of those things take humility, take being willing to say, Hey, I want to do something different. I want to do something better. But like you said, we also have to be willing to look at like, why am I doing it in the first place? Because there is a benefit to me. And it might, the benefit might be that I get to avoid doing this other hard thing or I get to avoid coming face to face with the fact that I don't believe I'm actually capable or that I don't really believe in myself. And so I never really put in effort or actually apply myself because I don't, I don't believe That I can do it or that it will turn out well or whatever I've got a belief system that keeps me in this pattern and so it's like you come in and this is how kind of I see myself too, as this tornado or this interruption (laughs) that kind of blows things up because it's like. The way things have been, it, like when we say a prayer, when we act in intention, when we when we decide what we really want and if our life currently isn't aligned with what we want, it's going to require a restructuring of things. It's going to require a, a shifting of and a clearing of space so that new things can come in. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's what, I, I lived through a four tornado, April of 2011, a massive F four F four tornado came through in my hometown, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Killed hundreds of people that day. It wow. Killed like it killed people that I know, uh, students at the University of Alabama. It it destroyed my home that our family had lived in since I was five years old. We had to um, rebuild after that, and the city was unrecognizable after. And ever since then, I think about the trajectory my life has taken. And a lot of times when I have really decided, hey, what I'm doing isn't working. I don't want this anymore. I want something different. I want something new. That is one, a very courageous thing to admit and to ask and to say, because you have to know that there will come a clearing. Hmm. And that is so difficult for us because we've gotten really comfortable and familiar with the way things are, but we can't rebuild into something so much more beautiful, unless there is a clearing and a shedding and a, and a washing away of the old, hmm. but yet we get attached. We get attached to the way things are. Where do you th- see attachment as part of this process or living um, or trying to, to detach from, whether it's patterns, belief systems, uh, mediocrity, Average ways of doing things, so that we can create something new, something better, something. Uh, so we can step into the next level. How does attachment play a role in your mind?
1: Hmm. Well, I have to say this really quick about your story, which is amazing. You became the storm, and that in that story, what I'm seeing is like you've learned how to translate the energy of the thing that's a demolition into the thing that actually has to do with destiny and rebuilding and the promise and all of that. And so I just want to honor you for that and what you've learned to do in your life and how you've learned to adapt your style to adversity into action is unreal. And that's just worth stopping for and celebrating. Um, because I think that's what a lot of us have done who have like kind of cracked the code on this is like, we understood that you can avoid it or you can become it. And when you become it, it's the thing that allows that shift to go above and not below. And It's just so huge. So yeah. I honor and celebrate you for that. You. You're welcome. And I think, you know, um, when we're, when we're finding ourselves afflicted, I think it has to do with our aim. So it's kind of like, I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting what I want. Or i even if there's this, this moment of like, I'm not getting what I want. Now I need to know what to do. My favorite thing to do with people in business is I tell them to add a zero, give me your most expensive product. So in your world, Tori, if you're okay having this conversation, what's the most expensive thing from a numbers level, the mm-hmm. most expensive thing that you do that someone can buy from you
2: right now? One-on-one coaching.
1: All right. Perfect. So what is that? Like a hundred, hundred K a year?
2: <laughs> no, but it's about 50 K a year.
1: Okay. Yes. So my question is, how do you make that 500?
2: Mm. Yeah. I would love to know how. <laughs> well, I mean, it's simple. Uh, I'll tell you math. exactly how to do it. Get a certain you, number of people. You add, add a zero. Mm-hmm.
1: So you will always be compensated to the level of the problem that you solve. So if you want to be paid more to solve bigger problems, or solve it for different people, where the value exchange is different, but you, your being, and let it be that you're doing because you know this game, your being and you're doing are the same. So who you be doesn't have to change, and what you do doesn't have to change. Who you believe that you are in consequence of the people that you can serve, needs to continue to go up. So that's where I go, like, that's simple. You know, I had a client. Um, she started with me in 2000. What was it? Uh, it, was last, it was last year. I feel like I've known her my whole life. Uh, she was a mental performance coach for the New York Yankees, right? I hit her up on LinkedIn and I just like saw her content come through my feed and I sent her a voice memo. I'm like, yo, what up? Your content's dope. We should collab. That's my lead generation strategy for anybody who's wondering. Yes. Um, like it's, there's just, I'm in flow, fully, fully in flow, mm-hmm. no funnels, none of that crap. Like I just stay in the zone. I love this. So, so I just hit her up and I was like, yo, your content is it. We should clap. So she hits me back and she's like, like we start this conversation and she's kind of like, this guy's probably totally full shit. Um, so we start talking, whatever. So then I had like, we do a one-on-one call and I was just like, yeah, just see, like you have so much potential, like you're doing incredible things. And she's like, I just started like two, three months ago. Like, so I just don't really know what to do. So at that point, that was like March, April of uh, 2021. And she exited that year doing $685,000 when she had only sold about 60K in those first two months. Mm -hmm. And that was like the only two leads she had coming off of her time with the Yankees. Um, Now she's well over seven figures. And when I tell people like, okay, so she went from 60K to 600, what was the big shift? The number one thing, she was charging $1,500 a month for coaching. Mm -hmm. And I said, what? You should be charging 100 grand. And she's like, there's just no way. Three weeks later, she got client for hundred K who wired her the money the same day. People are so much more exceptional than they give themselves credit for. And so when I say the concept of add a zero, what I'm doing is I'm shifting the aim because the mind hacking money, in my opinion, is that simple. So I just like take whatever someone is sells for the most amount of money. And I say, add a zero, what would that look like? What would you need to shift in order to make that a reality? And the reality is nothing. They typically just need to offer it and go Mm. step out into it so that's my challenge for you Mm. is like shifting your aim to go like so where's the next client coming from who's going to be a half a million dollars a year yeah yeah if that's what you want now some people don't want that and that's okay absolutely um if that is something that you want to create a transformation at that level where that's honored and that's seen and that is not only embraced but desired it's already there
2: yeah yeah.
1: But yeah, that's it. Well, now, and again,
2: it's it's what you yeah. focus on, it's what you give your yeah. attention to, and your intention to. And if I'm only giving my intention and attention to fifty k clients, that's what I'm going to create more of.
1: Totally, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sure, like that's that's part of right of being present. It's like there's nothing yet. If we're desiring, we're seeking more.
2: Right.
1: My thought is always, how can I stretch the balloon? Mm-hmm. I ask people a question too. I'll be like, on a scale of one to ten, how close are you be to being a billionaire? And they'll be like, uh, like two these are people who like run like 10 million dollar companies sure. like two you know five you know whatever some people so i'm like you're more comfortable being homeless you identify more with being broken homeless than you do being a billionaire
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know my question when someone asked me that you know where my brain went immediately like it went to god's bank account mm-hmm. i'm like having a bountiful harvest of whatever i want in life is literally available at any moment that i desire it and part of my life's intention and purpose in my own story is getting out of my way yeah. enough to think with my spiritual mind and not just my carnal one.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one that's conditioned with fear and scarcity as opposed yeah. to, to freedom and abundance and untapped potential. And there is no, <laughs> like the, the never ending well that doesn't run out. Right. And, totally. hundred um, percent that is such a, a shift and it requires an elevated shift in consciousness to be able to tap into that flow. You mentioned flow and mm-hmm. that your, your lead gen strategy is to stay in flow. It's not about funnels. It's, it's not about, you know, a lot of stuff that we see online today about this is the way that you get people in the door. Can you talk about what is, what does staying in flow mean to you? how do you define that? And then what does that practically look like in your day-to-day, especially in your business?
1: Yeah. So, you know, David really helped me identify this, our mentor together, um, and the, the idea of intention setting, which is just, what do I want? Who can I help? Um, how can I, you know, accomplish the what and the who? <laughs> yeah. And that's really through prioritization by just being clear about what you're going to do that day and not overbooking. I used to have about 14 hours of calls a day, always doing stuff. And now I have two calls maximum a day. And so two hours maximum of my time that's locked. Everything else is a white canvas. And that's how I can stay in flow is because I've given myself the freedom of being present, which I believe now is the most profitable thing that I can do. And that's proven itself to be true. So that's part of it. And then after, you know, how are you going to do it? You apply the now, you know, so you just step into it and go like, I'm going to do it right now. I'm not going to wait. And then you apply the why, which mm-hmm. is just, I don't have to ask myself the question of what is my intention? What is my purpose? Cause it's clear. If I do that first, that's a huge part of being in flow. The missing part of the puzzle I didn't have before that now is completely non-negotiable. The second part is I actually start by like going and encouraging people. So I will literally, if we're talking like, give me the practical, yeah. I'll go to my Instagram followers and I'll click on someone. And I wait for something to pop a pop of clarity. I wait. And so I scroll. I go like, boom, this person. And I reach out. I send him a voice note. Yo, I just want you to know you're doing way better than you think you are. I know you might not feel all the time like everybody sees the good shit that you're doing and how hard you're trying and how much you're supporting your family and like those lonely, dark moments of like, what am I even doing this for? I just want you to know that at least one one person sees it. That there are people who give a shit about your contribution in the world. And so I just be like, much love, cheering for you. Mm. That's it. That's what I do. And I've, I mean, I've had so many people, like one of my business coaches has been with me for about six years. He's like, I still don't understand how you do this. Like I, you, you break every rule. And I just always remind him, I'm not living inside of the same reality that you are. Right. And it sounds crazy, but it's true. The only way that I can do that is by protecting that space of being present mm-hmm. by waiting for the prompting to be kind and thoughtful. I had a mentor tell me one time, You know, if you encourage five people a day, you'll never start for business ever. And it's true. I just have a way of communicating that makes that punch really, really good. Well, you
2: just connect to the heart of people so quickly. You just you you drill past all the noise, all the fluff, and you get to the thing that that we all want most which is to feel acknowledged and seen and belong and that we matter
0: yeah, right totally. and so
2: many of us live such isolated lives that we and we forget that you know we're in the mundane routine and we're like why am i doing this and to have someone acknowledge that and to see you it's like oh all the stuff, all the walls all of the inhibitions that are like mm, this guy you know are down and it's not from a crummy scammy place it's they can feel people can feel your energy in this like he really cares it's not because he's trying to get something from me
1: totally there's nothing to get and that's the unique part is that i'm grateful that people's consciousness is continuing to rise because i could share these strategies and i've talked about this before like when I get into the practical, a lot of times for a lot of people, like it makes a lot of sense. And at the same time, it doesn't. So like, how do you scale that? I'm like, you don't like, that's, that's the whole point. So it can be, these tools are leveraged for like illumination or manipulation. Mm -hmm. And so some people will take them and then try to, in my context of what my dad taught me, he said, never prostitute your gift. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn, that ran super deep. Why? Because don't sell it for less than it's worth. Don't give it away to people who aren't going to value it in the intended way that God put it in you. He gave you that unique ability for his intention, for his purpose over your life, for the promise that he has over your calling and over your unique contribution in the world. Don't go give it to somebody who doesn't value it. And trust me, I've made that mistake more times than I can count. And so now I'm in a space of where it's a non-negotiable. And that's why I wait for the prompting is because that first step into that prompting ends up creating the consistency on the outside that actually allows this whole thing to work correctly. So I've done the right things. I've done the wrong things. I figured out just that process of being of what's most natural to me Mm -hmm. is the thing that creates the most supernatural result that I can't even explain. Like I couldn't have, I couldn't have strategized my way into a conversation with David ever. Right. There's no way, there's no way. And I remember the first time he's like, yeah, come on out. We're going to do this event. I had just like, my I had like my whole business had exploded. I'm asking God, why is this happening? He's like, because where there's not a void, there's not a need. I can't give you more without taking what you have. It's like that picture of Jesus with a little teddy bear. The girl's holding on a little teddy bear. And he's got a huge one behind his back. He's like, will you just give me what you have so that I can give you this greater thing that I have for you? Yeah. I mean, my God, I had to wait for turkeys to walk through my yard this morning, which is a very interesting thing. But there were 11 wild turkeys walking through my yard. I'm like, what the heck? And so what do I do the deeper thing of going like I wonder what that means and I look up the number 11 which is all about leveraging your intuition for your greater intention and purpose in the world. I look up turkeys and it's a sign of prosperity, saying that you're on track and you're doing the things you're supposed to do. Mm. I will literally find any sign, I will look for any small thing in order to be able to reattach the intention of my life to the purpose and direction that Mm -hmm. I believe that my creator has for me. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it.
2: Look for the evidence. You guys look for the evidence that reconfirms the belief in the story that you want to be true. I'm guided, right? Like you can take anything and and double down and be like, this is evidence that I am being guided. I am on my path, like that I can continue to give without the need to receive because I already know that I'm going to receive tenfold what I give because that's the law. (laughs) That's the way the universe operates. And when we allow ourselves to be unattached to the things that we we, we, we realize we're part of a bigger cosmic, like a play that's like playing out before us, a lot of us, we feel that egoic need to, to hold, to like gather and be like, okay, all of this is mine and I'm, I'm going to keep it for myself and I'm not going to share it. And I'm going to withhold it because I don't know if there's enough. And that is, you know, an indication that you've gotten disconnected to the flow, to the the unlimited abundance, to that, that source that we're talking about. And it requires a faith, faith and how do you define faith? Because like, like you said, you had a very traditional kind of upbringing, maybe but for some in terms of the religious context, what faith looked like as, to you as a, as a child and how has that evolved as you've matured and and as you've grown throughout the years? What is faith?
1: Yeah, like you know, David, David said, faith is currency. And I'm like, yeah, that's really trippy and I love it. Mm. Um, I think the practical part of faith is just the absence of fear. And it's kind of the opposing value of fear, like fear is the shadow of like Mm -hmm. everything that I don't have, what's not enough, what I'm incapable of, right? And then the opposite side is like, no, I'm gonna choose to believe, I think it's a choice. Faith is a choice to believe in something greater. And, And I think that it's just a choice that I would prefer to make on a daily basis. Like you said, look for the evidence. All of us can find the evidence of why we're unworthy Right. of why we're too broken, of why we're unlovable, of why we're defective, of why you know, nobody wants to pay attention to us. We can find that in seconds. My challenge is why not go in the other direction and find some of the shit that is true? Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you just let me gas you up for five minutes and walk, watch how different you walk out of the room? And I think that's the the, you know, for the people who are partially healers, partially contributors, partially co-creators in the world. That's our job. That's my job. My job is to intuitively see you in a way that you cannot see yourself for me to close my eyes and drop down into that space of where I can go into the present, but see the entire timeline of your life and call you into that greater purpose of what I know that I can see. That's true that for you, you can't see, because guess what? You can see a thousand people in a room and the only person you can't see is yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm like an intuitive, like echo chamber timeline. That isn't real fucking mirror to show you what's possible, and to invite you into that opportunity. I don't know how to describe that to, to the world outside of maybe what I just said, but um, I'm okay with that. I think that's the other thing. A lot of folks get stuck on the I help statement. I, if I'm a coach, if I'm a consultant, if I'm an expert, who do I help? What do I do? How do I whatever? It's like, yes, I got stuck on that stuff for like five or six years. I mean, I've spent probably hundreds of thousands of dollars at this point having other people try to explain it. And then I realized, I don't know, I am, I am who I am. I'm the guy who helps people who are lost. I don't know, that's just what I do. And I point you in the direction of your higher self. That's why I created the future self branding process because I was like, if I can help people step into who they are, instead of paying attention for their entire life on what could have, or should have, or maybe would have been, then I can call them forward by actually helping them create that future version of themselves and stepping into it Mm -hmm. versus trying to reminisce on the past of why they're so great. The only thing I need from your past is your name. Mm -hmm. Once I have that, that's why, what did I do at the beginning of this call? I talked about my name. I didn't talk about the success that I've had in business because to be honest with you, it doesn't matter.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You said something about finding evidence because we all can find evidence for the story when we will, the story that we choose to believe. And we can find evidence for the fact that we're not good enough, that we're unlovable, this, that, and other, or we can find evidence that we're guided and that we're on the right path and that this is a stepping stone to the next thing. And, and you know, what I need is already on its way and all of those things. One thing I encourage people and challenge people to do is do the opposite of what you typically would do right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do the opposite. So if what you typically would do is if someone says something to you, you would get defensive and you would get passive aggressive, like do the opposite. What's the opposite of that? Okay. Lean into it actually you know, get curious about it. Or if, you know, what you would typically do is, um, sleep in and snooze, like do the opposite, get up and see how your life changes because our, our, most of us are conditioned behavior and way of doing things is to live lean into the negativity bias to do the thing that actually is based in fear and scarcity and limitation not freedom and abundance and and peace and and in that and in that choice because victor frankl says between stimulus and response there is a pause and in that pause lies our freedom because when you choose to actually do the opposite thing you're living in the eternal now which is where you can get into flow and where you can create because you can't create when you're off in your head and you're off in the future, you're off in the past. It's all happening here and now, and you've never lived anywhere else besides now. You've never lived in your future. You've only ever lived in this moment. And then in the next moment, and then in the next moment, and I always tell people, and this is my mantra, I actually posted it this morning, this is something that I have been practicing over and over again, and something I continually like, it's like a banner that I'm like kind of waving at the moment, which is, I deserve peace and happiness, and I refuse Mm. to contribute to my own, to the creation of my own unhappiness. Because so many of us, Nick, we are the ones that are creating so much of our own suffering, so much of the resistance that we feel, so much of the pain. And it's like, what happens when I refuse to be a contributor to that? When I just stop and let off the gas and say, nope, I'm not going to contribute to, I'm not going to continue to put fuel on the fire that I'm not good enough. And if you just stop taking the, the, like, if you refuse to continue to stoke that fire, it starts to burn out. Hmm. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. It's just like kind of coming through. Yeah, let it rip. This is so good. (laughs) But that is kind of the thing that I'm feeling at the moment is like how many of us, it goes back to what you said. We are the problem and we are the solution. That's it. We can choose to continue to stoke the fire of the story that's keeping us stuck in limitation and fear and scarcity, or we can remove that and we can start fire somewhere else and we and we do that with our t- attention and our intention hmm.
1: yeah. can i can i riff on that for a second Please. yeah okay this is this is really wild so there's a man at a pool and he wants to be healed and he's seeking like this better version of who he is is a pool at bethesda right it's a yeah. story that comes from the bible and so jesus walks up to the man and he says do you want to be well okay Right. And this is like, are you kidding me? This guy has been laying here for 38 years. Everyone sold him every bit of snake oil, like that you could imagine promising these great abundant opportunities of healing, yet not able to deliver on it. And Jesus asked him a simple question. Do you want to be well? I learned this from uh, one of the guys who's an early mentor in my life. Um, But the the context on that story that he gave me was that he wasn't trying to heal the man. He was trying to heal his will his willingness to get up after being told so many times, like, yes, this will do it, or I'm not good enough. The guy was paralyzed. He couldn't get there himself. He had to count on someone else to pick him up and carry him there. And Jesus said do you want to get well? And finally, the guy said, yes. He said, then pick up your mat and walk. There's a responsibility to the response that comes into our life. Like you are saying, there's a moment of where we choose and we are aware that we can do this different. What you just dropped, like that's the beautiful thing about awareness, right? Once it's dropped, you can't argue with it. Like it's just, it becomes a higher state of knowing. And so you gotta go like, well, now that I know better, I gotta what? I gotta do better. Mm-hmm. So if there's a moment in someone's life who's listening to this now, where they encounter the situation of where they feel that thing from the gut up, where they feel that standard pattern of, this is the way I'm gonna respond and I'm gonna get angry or whatever. Mm-hmm. Your, you have res, you have a responsibility to control the response that you take in that moment. Just like the man who could have gotten frustrated and angry with Jesus, but at the same time, Jesus didn't do anything. He just allowed him to make a decision, a powerful decision at that, to his willingness, which is a part of our ego center, which is a part of actually everything of abundance in your life. Because resources, ego, uh, willingness, they all come from the same place. That's your heart. So That's a place of healing that you've got to accept of going like, Wow, what's the ripple effect of that? Well, everything. Because Jim Rohn said it, right? You need an apple a day. It's about just doing better decisions and doing them better. And it's amazing how your life changes over time. And that's, that is truly the 1% better every day. But I've heard it said, if you just choose 1% better every day in 90 days, you can have a completely different life.
2: So true. It's, it's so true. true. So true. Because our life is just comprised of choices.
1: Yeah, it's so wild. It's so wild to think about.
2: Yeah. Like if I hadn't chosen to say yes to an opportunity to go and speak and be part of office hours, like I would have never met you, which I would never be having this conversation. And and we can like start to think back about all the stepping stones that got us where we are and how it's a byproduct of our choices. And it's like, what, and you can live in the, what this gets so many people caught up. And I just recorded a podcast yesterday about decision-making and how hard it can be for people because people can get caught up in like analysis paralysis. And they're just so overwhelmed with making the right choice that they don't do anything. They just stay in the gray area and they live on the fence because they're afraid.
3: Hmm.
2: And how that is one of the biggest um, blocks to our progress because we're not moving in any direction. And to, to cut or to decide means to actually cut off from the other options. But so many of us were like, well, what if I had done this? What if I had decided to do this instead? What if I actually didn't leave my marriage or what if I did? And, and we get overwhelmed instead of it's like, you know, you know, you don't know. Cause that reality didn't play out. Cause you didn't make that choice. And you'll never know, maybe there's some version of you that's living in a parallel universe that did make that choice and is having that experience. (laughs) Who knows? But you're living in this reality now, right? And so just be where you are and be fully committed to the choices that you are making. Just put two feet on this side of the fence because Mm. otherwise you're splitting your energy and you're not able to move fully in one direction because when your energy is split, that's like, I'm just being ripped apart. And that creates so much conflict, inner conflict for people.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a thousand percent true. Um, I think there's a a perfect balance between execution and, um, and uh, experimentation. And I think that that's okay. Like for, for folks to go like, Hey, in this season of my life, I'm experimenting with something different, but then you have to execute. Right. And it's, it is such a balance, but there's a perfect middle. And I think that's where milestones and like, making you know decisions and declarations on like this is what i'm going to do and this is you know the next milestone and this is kind of my intended focus and creating those boundaries and blocks of going like for this amount of time i'm going to focus on this thing i and that just again comes from a place of just deep knowing like i spent so much time going like trying to figure out the perfect way to express like it's like my language is like different and so the translation process can be incredibly difficult um of trying to like explain who I am, what I do, why that matters. And then I just figured out none of it does. So my state of execution then got that much quicker. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everything comes down to that emotional state. And um, I met with a Taoist monk. It was a two hour conversation that changed my life, but he gave me a really great formula that I'll share with your community. That was incredibly meaningful to me. He said, Nick, there's events that are going to happen in your life. And from those events that happen in your life, you're going to have a decision on what comes next, either a belief or uh, and basically a, um, um, let me see, your, your emotions, your beliefs, and then yeah, basically your actions. So so you, know, you have an event that happens. If your emotions come after an event that's negative, your belief system, well, what? Can have the confirmation bias on the front end of what? The event. So someone talks trash to you, then your emotion hits and you, oh, poor me. Well, then you're gonna believe what? The trash that they just gave you. Now, if someone speaks some trash to me and there's a hater, I'm like, okay, so the event happens and someone's talking shit. Then what happens next? Then I go like, well, what's my belief? The beliefs, it becomes the boundaries to protect your emotional state, which is what allows you to be successful in both business and in relationships and in health and everything else. So what I do is I go like event happens. I filter it through my beliefs. I'm like, no, God's called me to greatness. Here's my unique intended purpose in my life. Here's why I'm here. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I believe about myself. That's true, which protects and safeguards. What is sacred, the golden sacred experience of life are our emotions. And we want to ensure that they're in the best state. So even if that's the last thing I drop and it's the thing that people remember the most. Events are going to always consistently happen in your life. If immediately following an event, you have an emotion, more than likely it's going to be the poor me story, which is a bunch Mm -hmm. of BS broken systems. And there are also belief systems that don't agree with what, what is true. Right which is who you know that you are, who you have predetermined that you are, and who you believe that God or your source believes that you are. So that has been a just wildly congruent thing for me to in the experimental stage, but also in the kind of like execution stage, I have to protect my emotions, which are the things that are the fuel for my unique design. And I don't know, there's probably a lot of people out there who feel the same way.
2: Yeah man, thank you so much. You are so, so, so amazing, my friend. And uh, I appreciate you being a mirror for so many of us and, and yeah, pointing the way we're all kind of walking each other home and I appreciate Probably. you being, <laughs> you know, one of those on my path that I've, I've run into. I tell people, you know, and, and till you, you walk alone, until you run into people that are on, on your path. Mm and um, I'm super glad I bumped into you and you're welcome back on the show anytime.
1: Amazing, you're incredible as well. And so thank you for being a prodigal and finding your way back to uh, the truth in your life that um, you've been seeking because there's no doubt you're, you're doing the work, you've been doing the work and that you're a stri- uh, bright and shining star in the world, doing incredible things. So thank you as well. Thank you. How can yeah. people
2: stay connected with you if they want to know yeah. more and uh, stay involved with what you're doing with the, the future self, uh, personal brand, and all of that? Yeah, yeah. Online,
1: usually Instagram and LinkedIn are the two spots that are best. Um, so yeah, at Nick Video, really easy. And um, yeah, come hang out and say hey.
2: Yeah. We'll put all of his info in the show notes, you guys. So make sure that you connect with Nick offline and let us know what you think about this episode by leaving a comment or tagging us or even leaving a rating and review. We appreciate you. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next week on the Coachable Podcast.